This episode is proudly brought to you by Lululemon. Athleisure brand Lululemon and Movember proudly unite for the third year of their partnership to improve men's well-being through movement, mindfulness, and connection. Check out Lululemon's Movember product collection at lululemon.com.au. Welcome to episode 264 of the Inside Running Podcast. We have a huge show for you this week. There are a couple of state 5,000 metre champs and NCAA cross-country results to discuss. Training talk is back and we have a heavy hitter of Australian and world athletics on the show to review his year. But before all that, welcome to my co-host and 2019 World Championship marathoner, Julian the Big Mouse, oh, sorry, I mean the Big <laughs> Moose Spence. How are you, Moose? I'm, I'm good, mate. I tell you what, it's... Anyone, anyone within 50 metres of me that mentions Doha at the moment, they're in for a ride. Well, do you want to, um, do you want to give us the story of Big Mouse instead of uh, Big Goose? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure about that one. I think that was a spelling mistake. Um, take Big Mouse, though. I don't I'll, mind Mouse. I'll fill the listeners in. So uh, Moose was running around the tan on, I think it was, was it Friday morning? Um, with Zach and Newman, and he got recognised and stopped and asked for a selfie. And then um, when the guy put it up on Instagram, he said, uh, yeah, bumped into Big Mouse at the tan. So uh, maybe he got, I think maybe there's a there's another person out there called Mouse, and he just got me mixed up. I can't wait until people on Strava start calling Moose Fartlek Mouse Fartlek. It's going to happen for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, um, it was good. Like the, the World Cup's on. Doha, Katay, everyone complained about it. Love it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, big guest. I won't ask him how many uh, selfies he've, he's had in the uh, the last week because I know mm. you're a bit up and about about being asked for that selfie. <laughs> um, but before we introduce our guest for tonight, I've got a trivia question for you, Moose. Before I was married, uh, we used to go to pub trivia quite a lot. And uh, so I thought, question for this week how many people in history have run sub 330 for 1500, but also sub 730 for 3K and sub 13 minutes for 5K? How many people? How many people? And bonus points if you can name them all. Uh, I'm going to say five people. That's my guess. And I'm going to start off with um, Jakob, Jakob Britain. Yep, that's um, one. Hisham Al-Garouj. Mm-hmm, two. Uh, Syed Awita. Very is he, good. Is yep. he on the, he's on the list, He's too. on the list, yep. Um, Muhammad so that, Katir. Yep. Oh. That's four. Uh, 
you've helped you like they're they're my guesses i i didn't guess the last one which you gave it away before bernard oh like a couple more bernard legut yeah and the last one uh he might be joining us tonight yeah who's the other one stuart mcsween the big dog from uh King Island. Yep, Stewie's on the list. So there was actually nine. So oh, the right. ones ones that we missed were Daniel Komen, the mm. three thousand meter world record holder. Um, Ali Said CF. Remember him? The uh, I think he's the Algerian. He was more oh. more sort of my era. Like Is he Steepler? No. Oh. oh, don't think so. Um, oh, and th- and then the other one is um, Augustine Chogi. So nine people in history to have achieved that feat. Um, and, yeah, one of the guys on the list is joining us tonight. He's also won the prestigious Dream Mile in Oslo in 2021, finished seventh at last year's Olympics, and is the current Australian 1,500-metre and 3,000-metre record holder. Welcome back to the Inside Running Podcast, Stuart McSwain. No, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on, boys. Excited to be on with you guys. Mate, that's a, that's a select group. How, like, I know that that tweet came out after you broke 13 minutes for 5K. Um, like, when you see that list of people and you're part of it, like, how does it make you feel? Yeah, obviously, when you do see those stats, obviously they can put <laughs> stats together for anything. But I think, yeah, just to have my name amongst those guys is a huge honour. But I think, um, yeah, obviously I'm a, I'm a lot worse than most, pretty much all the guys on the list, so... Um, it is cool to be on, but I think, yeah, there's a lot of guys a lot better than me on there. Yeah. Um, well, thanks again for giving up some time. The last time we had you on was, uh, yeah, started January. Moose and I both both had COVID and we're talking about, um, you know, the, the year to come, which was uh, World Champs and Com Games. Um, so what I thought we might do before you recap your training week is just do a, a bit of a year in review. Um, like we don't hear from you a lot on other podcasts, so... I think it'd be a good opportunity for our listeners to basically hear how your year went. So um, what we've done is broken it down into sort of four different sections. Um, so we'll give a bit of a recap of what happened during that period and then ask you sort of some questions about it, if that's all right. Sounds good. Um, all right. So the first the first part of the year was sort of between March and May. Um, wasn't a great period for you. Like you pulled out of the uh, Box Hill Burn 5,000 metres on the 8th of March, and then you started your Diamond League series with uh, a 348, uh, 1,500 in Doha, and a 344 in Birmingham. So that was all about mid-May. Um, we'd heard reports that, you know, you'd had COVID or that it was, that it was a result of having the COVID boosted too close to having COVID. Um, what was happening during that period, and what was the actual diagnosis? Yeah, so obviously that first part of the year was a pretty challenging time. Not only the physical side, but the mental side was pretty hard as well. So um, ultimately, as you mentioned, that Box Hill 5K, our DNF, I think it was the first race in opens of DNF. So not how you want to kickstart a season. Um, and then obviously battle through the early Diamond um, League races as well. But um, yeah, ultimately, I think I, I, so I had COVID and then I got the booster not long after because I was trying to... Um, be able to go to Serbia for the World Indoor Championships um, and you needed the, the, to be tri- triple vaxxed by that point. So, um, yeah, I'm still not up a little bit up in the air what caused it, but, yeah, ultimately I battled for a fair few months trying to kind of shake um, the, the repercussions of it all. Yeah, and, and during that period, like, we know that your races weren't great, but, like, did training indicate that you would race as poorly as you did? Um, I think... Ultimately, I wasn't training as well as I normally do. Um, you kind of, I feel like I've done it for enough years now. You kind of get a decent idea 
of the kind of shape you're in. But I think in training, you're, you're never really hitting the real high-intensity stuff. So you kind of can maybe bluff it a little bit more than when you're in races, there's no bluffing. You're out there giving it 100%. So um, it wasn't until I was on the start line that I was kind of finding out. I'd get a lap in and be pretty much done. I'd be struggling to breathe. My body would be shutting down. So, um, Which is not a nice feeling because mm. mentally it's hard going into races knowing that you're unsure of whether you'll be able to ultimately run well in the race or even finish it. So, um, yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't a great period for a, for a few months early on in the season. But I think, as we mentioned, any athlete, you're going to have your ups and downs and you kind of got to just ride that wave and um, have faith that um, you'll hopefully at one point come out the other side. Mm. Because, Actually, one of my, oh, sorry, Stewie, because we um, don't really know much about, like, all this long COVID stuff, was there some pretty serious worries this could be a long-term thing at that time? Um, yeah, I think I'd, I'd be lying if I said I, I wasn't pretty worried that whole time. Um, not only athletics, I was kind of like, will I be able to run run near my best again? Will I even be able to keep running? Um, I was kind of up in the air, wasn't really sure what was going on. And then I think it, it's bigger than running. For for me, it was kind of like, oh, is it going to impact my health? Not not only for my maybe my future running career, but my life outside running as well. So I think that was the big worry that I wasn't sure whether I'd ever fully bounce back or um, just because there's there was no real like evidence or data with how people would bounce back. I think it's a personal journey um, for for everyone who has had had those complications. So um, yeah, there was a, definitely a lot of worries. And then I, finally, once I felt like I was able to turn it around, it was definitely um, yeah, a pretty good feeling to know that hopefully I was kind of in a little bit of the clear. Mm. So who made the call then to shut things down? So like you've run 348 and then 344 and like you might also want to touch on like what those races felt like in terms of knowing that because in both races like you pretty much still push the way that you normally do go to the front but then fade you know so so much that you you know you're running 344 and 348 so that wouldn't feel great. Was it you that then went Nick like I can't keep turning up and doing this or did Nick say, nut, nah, we're shutting it down? Like, how did that all happen? Um, yeah, it was probably a, a joint call um, in the end. I think I'm a pretty positive guy, so I was kind of just hoping it would finally turn around the race and I'd be kind of able to um, kind of get on a roll and start improving from there. But, yeah, those first couple of races were um, pretty hard to be in, um, especially when you're, you're watching races like I'm coming on the top bend when guys are fin- who you're normally racing are finishing. Mm. So, um yeah obviously I was battling something wasn't right so we kind of had to decide whether I was going to shut down the season um I think I was probably a week or two away from shutting down my whole season and ended up I was pretty close to actually missing world champs as well purely because I think when I did start coming good I only had I think six or seven weeks leading into world champs um to kind of train so uh we shut it down reset and then I was lucky enough that I got some good medical advice um and was able to rest reset my body and then kind of improve from that point um Mm. which was like in hindsight, obviously taking the rest and kind of resetting was the was the best thing to do. Yeah, over that, to you, Moose. That um the medical advice you got just I reckon there's a few people in the position you're in right now, like struggling with uh, whatever it is that's going on, but related to either the like the virus or the vaccine. But um, what what was it like? What was the the strong advice at the time? The big thing for me was a lot of it was just the resetting. Like, um, obviously, I was trying in the races and then in training a couple times a week, I was trying to still run hard. And I think just the level of fatigue I already had, I was kind of not recovering. So the the doctor was pretty much, I'd, I obviously had all the tests, tests done to see where my levels were at. It kind of didn't really indicate too much. Um, but he's like, the best thing you can do right now is just take it easy, reset, 
Um, obviously, I got on some antibiotics as well to try and um, just clear out the body and kind of get get it back on, um, hopefully close to normal function. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, just the rest was a massive thing. I kind of just put everything into sleeping, recovering for those couple of weeks to see if I could turn my season around. Um, and luckily, uh, after those couple of weeks, I felt like I had had a fair bit more energy and felt like I was felt more normal when I was running compared to what I had previously for, for most of the season to that point. Yeah, it's good good that you did. You obviously, you clearly did. So good team you've got around you. Yeah, I think I was lucky. I think as we mentioned in running, it's a pretty individual sport, but it is the team around you. And I was um, pretty lucky to have a, a good medical team through AA. Um, obviously, Nick as well was, I think for, for us, it's a, it's only a season. And if, if it means we can skip a season and we're going to get better, we were going to do what 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 we needed to to try and hopefully, um yeah, get back on the, on the right track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Moose, you going to do the oh, – I'll, I'll go. So you've touched on it a little bit, but by the end of June, you came good with a 731, 3,000 metres, um, which put you fourth in the Stockholm Diamond League and was only three seconds off your national record. And then mid-July was world champs where you finished ninth, um, you know, running a, a 333 in the final. Like you've touched on um, the fact that you rest and recovered. After that 344, 1,500 metres – did you take like two weeks of complete, like no running at all, or did you just jog? Like, how did that sort of those next couple of weeks look? So yeah, I had a um, a couple of days off just to reset, and then it was kind of just easy running, but not even just easy jogging, like really easy jogging. So probably I'm I'm not a big data man, but probably heart rate anywhere between like 115, 120. Um, when I was jogging, just to make sure I was going absolutely easy, no no heavy lifting in the gym or anything like that as well, just trying to reduce any pressure you can on your body um, to try and, yeah, ultimately give me the, the best chance of resetting and um, trying to continue on the season if everything went well. Yeah. yeah. Um, go, Moose. Yeah. Um, so I remember waking up after that 3K and just just feeling like, oh, yes, he's back. Like, he's okay. And I reckon there were a few sighs around the country, just like, <laughs> old Stewie's back again. Um there were a few messages going out like, he's good, boys, we're all right. <laughs> uh, must have been such a good feeling to know that, like, you're back on track. Yeah, obviously that race was a massive relief because um, even I had definitely training had improved from what it previously had through the months leading in. But until you see that that race result, you kind of still aren't sure how it's going to go. Obviously, that was a, probably the most nervous I've been for a race because it could have went either way. If it didn't go well, I was probably going back to Australia and skipping the, the remainder of the season. So, um, for yeah, to, for it to go well was, um, yeah, a good confidence and kind of open my eyes that the, se- the rest of the season was going to be possible, I think. Um, and also for us, I think the, the environment we're in, you've got a lot of people telling you what to do. You've got, it, you're kind of, the races are, a lot of people watch or whatever. So people are, have a lot to say about when you're not going well, it can be a tough sport. So to, um, yeah, finally be able to turn it around was pretty nice. Hey, Stewie, at what point in that 3K, because I'd imagine in the days and the hours leading up, you would have been pretty nervous going, is the same thing going to happen um, to what's happened in the previous two Diamond Leagues? At what point in that 3K did you feel like punching the air going, oh, I'm, I'm a different runner to what I was a couple of months ago? Yeah, so I probably knew maybe two laps in. So I think we ran a 58 second first lap and then maybe 59 for the second one, and it felt pretty comfortable. So I was like, yeah, I think I'm on here because – in those 1500s, I'd get 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 to 400, and I'd be felt like I'd run a marathon. Um, so to um, yeah, to get to those two laps, feeling comfortable with that uh, sub two minute pace through the first 800, I kind of was like, yeah, I think I'm going to be right for the, the rest of this race, and hopefully 
I can build off this race and um, put yeah three or four good more weeks training leading to world champs. So the the world champs, mate, you came ninth, um, three thirty three. So obviously got to the final, but probably um, not as fit as you wanted to be on the start line. Yeah, I think for me making the final off the the preparation I had had was um, probably the big goal. I think any other year I would have been disappointed not to to win a medal, but I think um, yeah. Coming away from the prep I had, um, I probably hadn't raced enough either. Like, I pretty much had that 3K and then trying to get through three hard rounds at a World Champs level is not easy, um, especially if you you feel like your preparation hasn't been quite what you were hoping for. So, for me to get in the final and then still run relatively well, 3.33 in the final was, um, yeah, good signs that um, that I was able to kind of be resilient and kind of um, keep fighting from, from what had been a pretty tough season to that point. So that resilience, resiliency you, you speak of, sometimes it does take like a real down patch and a scare and some, some adversity to, to come out stronger. Um, you see in like a lot of, athlete, not just athletics, but a lot of sports where someone's sort of been gifted something, and, um, but then they have like a bad patch and they come back like more fierce. Do you feel like that contributed to like motivation and um, do, you, do you want it a bit more after having such a bad patch? Yeah, I think so. I think it definitely motivates you, but it also gives you high, uh, a bit of hindsight as well that I was kind of like, I think previous seasons I'd kind of been lucky, everything had gone well and I'd just gone on a roll and it kind of, it didn't feel easy, but it definitely felt like I wasn't challenged day in, day out like I had been this season. So um, for me to somewhat pull it out of the fire from where I had been um, early in the season was kind of, yeah, it's almost like a, a co- bit of a confidence boost as well that I'm kind of like, geez, if I can have a good run at it, maybe maybe I do have a, a lot more PBs um, left in me. So, um, yeah, I think that as athletes, the, the, the tough moments make you. If you're able to ride, ride the wave, um, it's pretty often you can get out the side and, um, yeah, it makes us, the, the good races a lot sp- sweeter. Um, and hopefully, yeah, I can have a couple more left in my career um, from this point. Mm. So, Stewie, you come off world champs thinking, all right, I'm starting to hit a bit of form maybe i haven't raced enough but the world champs is going to bring me up we've got a couple of weeks now till com games and and i reckon that you know i'm a good medal chant at com games uh unfortunately it doesn't go to plan you get sick for com games um what sickness did you have was it different to the different to what you'd been feeling earlier in the year yes unfortunately um the travel back from world champs um i picked up the flu so I was down and out the week leading up to Com Games, so I left it the day before to travel up to Birmingham. But yeah, I was bedridden; I couldn't get out of bed. So, um, ultimately, missed Com Games. Um, I think obviously it's disappointing to miss um, a chance to wear the Aussie Guernsey. I think anytime you can, you want to be out there. Um, I think I would have preferred to have missed Com Games compared to World Champs. So in some some respect, I was lucky I hadn't got it a week earlier. But um, yeah, obviously, travel there's always high risk of picking some up, and yeah, unfortunately. I felt like I, I battled to get back for world champs and then obviously got sick again. So that pushed me back down and then had to, to bat, battle post-com games and try and rally for the season again. But mm. um, yeah, as I said, I think athletes, you go up and down um, and you just got to kind of, yeah, ride that wave. Uh, watching Ollie win, um, knowing that, you know, it would have been right in the mix in that race. Um, how does that, what did, what did that feel like? Uh, I think it's cool to watch as a fan. I like, I think in our level, you, you, you pretty much, good mates and most of the guys you're racing so it's actually good not being in a race and actually finally getting to watch them because like when you're in it you actually don't see what's going on you don't 
really follow any of the stories or whatever. So to, to watch the Com Games, um, obviously you want to be a part of it, but um, to see Ollie run so well and a few of the other guys as well who I'm good mates with, um, and it was an amazing race to watch. I think it was a privilege to actually watch the race as well. So mm-hmm. um, if you can't be in it, at least you get to get to enjoy watching it as well. And after so many setbacks, like this is obviously your second big setback for the year, um, was there ever any thought about just, you know, pulling the pin on the season and going, you know what, I'm just going to go home, regroup, and then get ready for the next year? Or you're confident that once you got over the flu, you'd be right? Yeah, I think it obviously crossed my mind. But I think at that point, I'd worked so hard to get back in time for World Champs. Um, and I felt like I'd fought it out to that point that I wasn't going to, yeah, let let the flu knock me back down. I kind of wanted to fight and see see if I could run the season out well. Because I think even though we have the majors, they're in the middle of the season. There's a lot more racing left for, especially the Diamond League. I think there was four or five more Diamond Leagues left for the season. So, um, yeah, I wanted to keep fighting and see if I could try and get some more out of the what had been a tough season up until that point. You see the um, the footy players and uh, the like team sports, Stewie, normally like someone will train for the grand final, which could be looked at as like the Olympics or the world champs or whatever. And then you just, then it's like a big letdown. Everyone just lets their hair down. I, I feel like that when I run a marathon too, like finish the marathon, just forget about it for a while. Whereas you guys run the Olympics and the world champs and instead of going out on a bender or or like a footy trip or whatever, Mad Monday, you're like straight back to the next Diamond League a week later. It's It astounds me you can pull that off like emotionally. Uh, I think the Olympics is probably the, the, the big different one. I think after the Olympics, it's kind of just such a big build up that that's probably mentally the hardest to keep going for the rest of the season just because, yeah, you work so hard. We only have it once every four years. So for us, the Olympics, you just have so much mental drain going into it. Um, but yeah, I think it's kind of you just you, you stuff around for a little bit after the championships and then you kind of regroup, reset. Um, and I feel like when, you, when you're leading up to championship races, you're normally in relatively um, at a relatively uh, pretty good fitness level. So um, you can kind of afford maybe one or two easy weeks and then kind of, yeah, kick on and keep going with the season. Yeah, so you did kick on like 12.56, 5K, less than a second away from Craig Mottram's Aussie record. Uh, then you ran third at Lausanne Diamond League, 3.30. Was that your second fastest time ever, I think? Or uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think second fastest. Yeah, and then obviously big result, fifth in the Diamond League, 3.31. So huge finish to the season. Um, so the 5K, like, it must be hard when every time you race, people just talk records because it's what happens, like, when you're so good, every time you start on the start line, we're talking. Oh, does does Stewie get the Australian record here? Or and and like that must drain you a bit. Uh, I think for us, it's kind of yeah. You don't actually don't notice the, the external noise that much. I think you go into these Diamond League races. You obviously you want to run fast, but everyone in the field is just an amazing athlete that you're going in, having to just focus on racing. I think times even when I ran the twelve fifty six. It didn't really even cross my mind what pace I was on the whole way. I'm just trying to race, trying to beat every guy around you, trying to be as competitive in the races as you can. So um, I think as long as you go into races, you execute a good plan, you run well, you do the preparation and all that. I think you're like the the time obviously takes takes care of itself. Um, and then yeah, records wise, I don't think you, you focus too much on it. I'm I'm just trying to run my personal best. If I if I'm lucky enough to run a record, I'm lucky enough to run a record. But at the end of the day, you're just trying to better better you better yourself and trying to um beat your current record, whether that's a, a personal best or um, uh, the highest place you finish in a race. Yes. Obviously, you must be happy with what 
what happened towards the end of the season? Like, um, we first, like, were you happy? And then what else did you, what did you take away from it that you, you, that you learn from? Uh, I think I was happy with the way I was able to kind of, um, keep, keep resilient throughout the season. I think obviously so many setbacks, it would have been easy to roll over, but I felt like I, I handled myself relatively well. I felt like I, um, yeah, kept positive, kept, kept turning up, um, and trying to race my best every time I was in a race. Um, even if it didn't go so well early on the season. So for me, I think I, I probably did take a lot of confidence for it that I can, um, if I do have a better prep, maybe I can run a lot quicker than what I was able to at the end of that season as well. Cause I feel like you can't really afford to have too many bad months of training. And I feel like last year I did have a quite a few bad, bad and poor months of training. So, um, hopefully it means I can have a, have a bigger and better year next year if it all goes to plan. Um, but, yeah, other than that, I think I was just happy that with the way I was able to um, kind of hold it together and kind of just keep showing up and keep keeping positive um, in what was probably one of the most challenging years of my career. So, um, as I mentioned, I think, yeah, you go up and down, it makes the, the, the years you have good seasons um, even sweeter. So, hopefully I can ride ride the um, the positives towards the end of the season and kind of take it on to the, the next season. And then, obviously, we've got Paris Olympics the following year. So, for us, that's the big one. So, hopefully I can maintain that momentum. Mm. Hey, um, Stewie, we often see, like, youngsters when they sort of first part of MTC go over for, a, like, a European season, and they often run really well in the first one or two races of the se- like of their season, so they've just left the country, and then they really struggle the rest of the season, whereas you're now a season campaigner where you spend pretty much six months a year overseas, but you don't have those ups and downs, like, what what's the difference between those youngsters that first come over that that nail it early on and then struggle versus to what you're doing now? Yeah, to be honest, I think for the young guys, it's purely it is hard. Yeah, you you're going away from home. I think most of the guys haven't been away from home much more than a week or maybe a month. So for them, it's just hard being away from your family, your friends. You're in a, a different environment you've never been in. You're jumping between races. Um, it can be hard, especially. I think the hard thing internationally is it's hard if, if thing is, things aren't going well, you pick up an injury, you get sick. Um, it is hard to keep keep bouncing back week in, week out when you've got races, you've got obviously championships each year. So um, I think the young guys, it, I found it as well. Um, it is hard. You feel like you come in hot for the international season and then it is hard to maintain. But I think it comes with experience that you just get better at kind of knowing when you need to go back to training between races, knowing what you need to do to try and push on throughout the season. So I'm sure those guys, um, now that they've had more experience, will kind of find the following season a little bit easier. Mm. And who is the, like, consummate professional that you you look at and go, that, like, he or she epitomises professionalism? Is there someone that stands out to you? It doesn't have to be Australian or someone on the circuit that you um, that you always kind of look to and go, that's the, the shining light. Yeah, even though he's um, a little bit younger than me, I think Jakob Britson's probably the guy I'd look at the most, um, especially after seeing him win Olympics last year and be able to continue on the season. I know if I'm 21 and I'm I'm winning Olympics, I'm having an absolute Larry Bender and I'm not, not turning back up and training for at least another year. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely enjoying what comes with being an Olympic champ. But to see him two weeks later, he was at pre preparing as if it was the Olympic final again, just see how focused he is. Everything that goes in is directed at trying to perform well. Um, yeah, which is amazing to see, especially for a guy who I think he's 22 now. Um, so I definitely look at what he does and the, the way each year, the amount of pressure he's under. Um, being from Norway, I think obviously they don't have too many 
huge athletes. So he just has so much media pressure, scrutiny, and just the way he's able to show up every race, prepare so well, um, and keep doing it year in, year out. It's amazing to watch. And even though I'm older than him, I definitely take a take a lot of um kind of a lot of motivation um, from seeing what he he does and can learn a lot of things off him as well. Mm. Do, do you think he's going to last in the sport with that kind of like intensity or do you reckon you'll see him leave early? Yeah, I don't know. It's a hard one. I think I, I wouldn't want to write him off. I think anytime people write him off, he seems to prove him wrong. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's going to be very good at the longer events, the 10K plus, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's not going to keep going for a few more years at the marathon as well. So mm. um, I guess we'll wait and see over the years. It's going to be an exciting journey to watch. Um, but, yeah, I don't see him slowing down anytime soon. And then, uh, Stewie, what have you been up to since the Diamond League final? So, um, yeah, because a lot of a lot of listeners out there always are intrigued by, you know, do you take two weeks of complete rest? Um, how do you go and enjoy yourself? And then since you've returned back to Australia, what have you been up to? So, yeah, this year was probably a little bit different um, purely because I stayed in London for a couple extra weeks because uh, a lot of my Aussie mates moved over there during quarantine. So I wanted to catch up with them and, Obviously, I love sport as well, so I wanted to go do all the sporting events and stuff, go to Lords, go see the cricket, whatever as well. So I had a little bit of a holiday over there, and obviously, Brett Robertson was over there training for the marathon, so I was kind of, yeah, doing the doing the end-of-season trip and then helping him out with his um, marathon sessions as well. So it was kind of a little, little different break there, and then I came back to Australia, had another week or two pretty easy. Um, I'm not a big guy for taking two weeks off. I kind of like having a couple days off, go for a 30-minute jog, a couple days off, 30-minute jog because I just find my tendons and all that just get way too banged up when I try and start training again. So, um, yeah, I think I probably the last – I probably had three or four consistent weeks of training now, um, and I think it generally takes you about a month and you start feeling like you're in decent shape. So I think I'm in in a nice position. The main thing for us is just working back in, not trying to get sick or injured. So um, – and just kind of trying to build momentum. And then obviously next year um, is when you kind of want to be peaking and, and, and in pretty good shape. Yeah. Um, Moose, you have more questions, or do you want to hear what Stewie did last week for training? Let, let's give him a break, mate. We've we've hammered him for thirty minutes. <laughs> Go and have a, have a drink, Stewie. Why well, don't we... <laughs> well, why don't you do? What? Why don't you? Um, it, why don't you impress Stewie with your training week, Moose, and then we'll come <laughs> back to Stewie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get ready for this, Stewie. I'm um, excited. Yeah, <laughs> you might take something from it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I ran 80K. I had a few ups and downs. Um, uh, while we were recording, actually, last week, um, Croaks, you said you got a bit sick. Mm. And at the same time, um, Bree, my wife, and Pia were, like, coughing a bit. And it turns out, like, the next morning they tested positive for COVID. Oh, well, Bree did. I'm just assuming Pia was, was, uh, had the virus too because – she had the same symptoms as her mum and they sort of like locked at the hip. So um, I actually think that that's what knocked me around when I was in WA because it makes sense that if I had it then and they have it now that we all shared it. So it kind of made me feel a bit better knowing that there was an actual reason why I wasn't running that well. Um, and I feel a little better now. So Monday I ran just nearly 10K just around town. Um, Tuesday again just like 11K, missed a meeting actually, forgot about that, got back, it was a Nike meeting, Stewie, so seeing the range for um, back half 2023. What's What are you jogging in, mate? What shoes do you roll in? Uh, I pretty much wear the Invincibles for everything at the moment, so I love them. 
like just recovery wise off him, I feel like you can run and yeah, you pull up pretty well. So I thought I'd be a Pegasus guy, um, a Nike Pegasus guy, but yeah, I've, I've moved to the Invincibles pretty much for everything outside session days. Even long runs. Long runs as well, yeah. I, I love them. I think they're, they're kind of good because they, they, they don't feel fast when you're jogging, but when you switch over to flats, you definitely feel feel like they're, um, they're a lot faster. Yeah. You, you tried the Invincible 3 yet? Have they sent you one of them? Uh, unfortunately, not yet. I'm, ho- I'm hoping to get them. I think you'll probably get them before me, but um, yeah, I'm sure the Nike guys will get them out at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I saw them the other day, actually. I uh, just had one in my hand for the first time. I like it. I like the look. They look pretty good. Um, so a little workout on Wednesday. It was one of the worst workouts I've ever done in my life. I'll be I'll be honest. Like six k monofartlek. So that's average of three twenty. I really could not get going here. So there's just some like it was a shit weather. And I know like we complain about weather a bit, but fuck, it's been bad in Victoria lately. Every day is just awful, windy, wet. This was one of them days. Uh, I I couldn't I couldn't get the pace going. So I thought in order to get something out of this workout, I've got to keep the um, I got to keep the floats at least a little bit honest. So I went. I did loops of the Anglesey Caravan Park and then turned around at the the 10 minute mark and I did make it back to the start point about oh I think it was about 20 seconds um like past the finish line so that was that was at least one thing is that i closed stronger than i um than i started you when was the last time you ran a monast Dewey? no not for a while when i was a junior obviously from ballarat we used to do them a fair bit on thursdays but uh yeah not for years i do like it though i think it's a good workout um just because it's it's hard, but it's not. It's always achievable. You feel like you can finish it. So um, yeah, I don't. I don't know why we don't do them anymore. But yeah, it is a it is a good session. Did you used to do them on the lake? So we did do them on the lake. Yeah, um, I think predominantly on the lake. We sometimes had a bungyong as well. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, it was always not a bad session on the lake because you pretty much finished doing a whole lap of the lake, so you didn't have to jog far uh, to conclude the session. Yeah. <laughs> and you just full, go full gas to see how quick you can run a lake in at about the halfway point. <laughs> Pretty much, you'd end up. Yeah, your floats would be pretty much the same as reps. Um, I think, especially <laughs> when you got a few guys around you, it gets gets a little bit too competitive. Nath Hardigan special that. Oh, he was unbelievable in the second half of Bartlett. <laughs> <laughs> you'd always catch him over the, like the, the short reps at the end, and he'd just keep hammering to make sure <laughs> get him get him one final, the final yeah. rep. So he he was Bartlett for the first ten minutes race for the second ten. It's just all out. He'd just go as hard as he could to drop you in the first ninety seconds, and then he'd be happy. <laughs> just keep going yeah especially he he never would want the junior boys to keep up so that first rep would be really quick yeah uh i went to melbourne after that actually um so thursday morning went for a jog with um a few of the running company guys we did a lap of the tan and then a lap of faulkner park back into the city so an hour and then i, I ran with zach and newman on the um the Friday morning, we did a couple of laps of the tan and back home. And geez, there is a, it's a different look when you run around the tan. You see some style around that place. Like you, you don't see it in Ballarat and you don't see it in Anglesey when you're out for a jog. It's impressive. And Zachary explained that it's like the golden hour at the moment. It's like in between spring racing carnival and the Christmas parties haven't started yet. 
So <laughs> everyone is up early and exercising and they're all on the tan before seven. Uh, it's, we, were, we were just laughing about how Brady would lose his mind if he saw this many people out there. Um, it's, good, it's good, though. It's good. it's good to see people. It's good for our sport. It gives me hope that people do still run because sometimes it goes a while before if I see anyone running down in Anglesey. But I got a sore knee after that, so I went on the bike on Saturday, just a spin bike, and it felt good after that. So on Sunday morning, I woke up, did 10 minutes on the spin bike, then joined the group for their Sunday run. We had a good solid amount of people, I reckon, probably like 12, 15. Um, I went 22K, fair few hills, 450 metres in that 22, but the others went um, – the, the, the loop was 26. A few people added on a bit further. Uh, it wasn't fast, but – that those hills and there's a bit of mud out there at the moment so it made it pretty tough it was good to get it done I, the knee didn't get worse in fact it probably got a bit better since then so uh 80k for the week and yeah that's embarrassing in front of you stewie so let's move on croaks yeah my week's even more <laughs> embarrassing um <clears throat> so i had that sore sort of medial shin um at the end of last week and then, yeah, like when we were recording last Monday, just before we started recording, I said to Viv, oh, I think I'm getting sick. And then Tuesday morning I woke up, yeah, with a sore throat, uh, headache. Um, and so, yeah, I was pretty much sick the rest of the week. I spent like one or two nights out on the couch because I was having like coughing fits anytime I would lay down and it was just keeping Viv up. So I um, I left the bedroom, um, yeah, by like maybe Friday, started to, you know, just be able to cough some stuff up. And um, like I'm feeling better now, but I'm still pretty congested. Um, but my shin, uh, my shin is still like sore to sort of hop on. Um, so I've got a physio appointment tomorrow. So I've had like what nine days off now, ten days off. Um, so, but I think yeah, I, I'm, I'm yeah, it's way better than it was. But I still can't hop sort of pain free. So uh, that's no good. Go and see the physio tomorrow. That's yeah. my week. Okay. All right, Stewie, <laughs> so, uh, tell us how a real athlete trains. All right, I'll see if I can top these weeks. Unfortunately, <laughs> my week wasn't anything crazy either. So I think Monday, I'd, I'd raced a mile in Japan on the Saturday. Um, so I was still in Japan Monday. So I think I had a session that morning, 8 by k where I was just doing three-minute reps because I didn't didn't have a, a, uh, a K marked out. Um, and it was just down at park near the hotel um, where we were staying in Tokyo. Um, so I assume they would have been probably anywhere between 250 to three-minute um, kilometer pace for those reps with a minute recovery um, and then flew back that night so only the one run for the day um, we flew out of Tokyo I think 10 30 at night so um, back to Australia arrived Tuesday Arvo um, and then went for a jog Tuesday Arvo I think around 50 minutes so probably around 12k um, just nice and easy obviously coming off a long haul flight your, your tendons and stuff are pretty banged up so like to go nice and easy just to try and try and loosen them up and not not do anything too hard on them. Uh, Wednesday was a 60-minute run in the morning. Uh, I had my 14K loop door-to-door, so just knocked that one out. Um, nothing too crazy there. Uh, and then in the Arvo, I had a 7K run, so I just did my out and back, 3.5K loop from home, 3.5K back through Albert Park, which is always nice. Uh, Thursday, I did threshold, so... Uh, 30-minute threshold um, around Albert Park, so it's just two laps, just over 9K, I think, for the 30 minutes. Uh, probably anywhere between 3 to 305 kilometre pace, um, and then got out for another 8K um, in the evening on Thursday. Um, oh, no, sorry, had 
5K on Thursday. I actually went to the Hunter Movember event Thursday afternoon. So um, we, we ran a nice slow 5K, um, had a few pit stops around the tan um, to have a couple of beers, some to eat on on the run as well. So, yeah, that was a pretty slow 5K that night. But a great event. The guys at Movember are doing a wonderful job, kind of raising awareness for mental, men's mental health. Um, and, yeah, it was a good night to be involved in. Uh, Friday um, was an easy 14K, so 60-minute run. Um, and then got out for another 7K Friday night, um, just over 30 minutes, I think it was. Uh, Saturday, I was at Waddle Park uh, for a hilly threshold. So it's a 7K course with three hills ranging between 50 seconds to 90 seconds in duration. And we kind of float between the hills and then run pretty hard up the hills. So um, I think, yeah, I think it was just, just over 22 minutes for the 7K hilly loop there. So um, not not a bad bad time for this um, time of year while we're building back to full fitness um, and then got out for another 7k at night so uh, Saturday Arvo um, and then Sunday hour 40 with the normal city group so we generally have four to five guys that show up every Saturday 8 30 from our park so um, they were dead on time and yeah had a good run I think just just under 25k for that Sunday um, yeah about as far as I ever run so that was a, a good run and topped off a, a relatively solid week especially coming off the travel day uh, Monday night and try and, um, yeah, get over the flight Tuesday. 10 minute Ks, what has that been for the week? I think it would have been a little bit lower because obviously I missed a run Monday and mm. then only one run Tuesday. So I say it might have been 140 where normally I'll be, yeah, up up 155, 160 per week. Yeah. And Stewie, on your, like, easy runs, do you meet with guys from MTC or are you generally doing those solo? Generally solo. I think I, I don't live too close to most of the other boys. A lot of them live the other side of town, so... Um, I'm kind of stuck, stuck in St Kilda by myself. So I'll, I'll generally run by myself, which I don't mind. I think I see enough of the boys on session days that I get, you probably get, I'd get sick of them and they'd get sick of me if I'm seeing them every day. So I'm happy to have off days and then I can kind of run. If I'm feeling good, I can run a little bit quicker. If I'm feeling tired, I can kind of hold back as well. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't actually mind running by myself. Um, and I've got some, got some good loops around Abbott Park, through Faulkner Park, up near the MCG. So um, I love it when I'm back training in Melbourne. It's, probably one of the greatest places in the world to train so it's um yeah if the weather improves a little bit it's always nice getting out and training around here and do you put anything in your ears like when you're running or it's just you and the stopwatch don't listen to anything yeah i'll listen to um things especially in afl season obviously i'm a bit i love afl so i'll be listening to to afl radio or afl trade trade rumors or whatever as well so i always have some in to try and kill the time but i also don't mind just run it without listening to anything as well. I kind of, it's pretty good where running around where I live, there's always some going on. Some takes your, takes your eye when you're out running or whatever. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to run with headphones, happy to run without them. Mm-hmm. Um, Stewie, when was the last time someone towed you up in a session? Oh, I had a few early in the year when I was struggling. I'll tell you that much. It was um, yeah, pretty hard to hang on most of the sessions. But, um, yeah, I'm actually not sure. I think... The way we train, it's not often we're doing anything crazy, crazy hard. So, um, yeah, I don't think I've been towed up too often, which is which is kind of good because, yeah, I, it's obviously not fun when you're having a rough day and everyone else is, um, yeah, absolutely killing you. Yeah, yeah. And um, there's not a lot of hills around where you are. Do you feel like that's a disadvantage or is, is that a concern at any point? Yeah, I think it would be nice to have more hills um, where I live, but I'm kind of a guy that likes just running door to door. if. I have a 60-minute run. I know if I leave the house at 9, 9.30, I'm back 10, 10.30. Um, I can kind of just schedule it in my day. So 
Um, yeah, I'd love it if there was a few more hills around here, but unfortunately, yeah, around Albert Park, there's not too many floating around. And Stewie, you mentioned, um, well, actually, we mentioned last week about your mile win in Japan. Um, like, I've been following the sport for a long time, and, and I can't remember the, or I can't remember an Aussie going over to Japan for a road mile. Is, is it a new event, or how, how can you tell us a bit about it? Yeah, so it was a new event this year. So obviously Fukuoka's, um, it's where they have the marathon. Obviously, it's a big, big running culture around there. So Suguru Osaka, who's a, I think he's a toy forward Japanese marathoner, probably their, their most known athlete, um, was involved in starting up the race. And he kind of kind of reached out and asked if I'd be interested in coming over and joining in the race because I think they're trying to kind of build it up as well. Um, and I was like, yeah, I would love to come back. I hadn't been back since the Tokyo Olympics. And obviously in the Olympics, we didn't really get to check out Japan. So I was like, if I get the chance to ra- ever race there again, I'd love to go back. Um, and then the, obviously this race came up, so I was excited to open my season there. Um, I wasn't co- co- quite sure where the fitness was, but I didn't want to miss up the opportunity to um, to get over and get involved in a new race. And obviously they love running over there. It's a different world compared to how many people we have at races here. When when you're in Japan, they love they love it. You kind of feel like a a little bit of a rock star. How many people line in the streets? Um, just absolutely cheering you. Um, it's just an amazing atmosphere. So um, for its first year, it was a great race to be involved in and hopefully it can keep improving and um, building over the next couple of years as well. What shoes did you wear, Road Mile? So I just wore next percent. So um, unfortunately, the Road Mile, it was on, it was kind of like, it's like the playground, the service you have on, the, on a playground. So oh, it's kind of yeah. like a little bit of a spongy road. So it was a little bit different wearing flats on that. But um, yeah, it was beautiful race obviously it, the, the mile just ran around a, a lake in the center of Fukuoka so um one of the nicest um sites you'll have in any race you get to run so um yeah I loved loved it I love Japan so it was an awesome um yeah six days over there and you, you won it did you win it early or did you win it late um I've kind of felt probably just after halfway I was in control which is obviously a nice feeling but I think Japanese guys they always just go out ca- uh, just full <laughs> kill Cameron Kazi there's no <laughs> That everyone's on the pace. There's no guys that try and pace themselves. They're just pushing it. So the first 400, we were flying. Like it, we must have been running a 54 second pace the first 400. 20 guys just absolutely hammering each other, just <laughs> trying to keep up because it's hard. Because obviously the pass not that wide as well. So you have so many guys trying to run exactly the same pace. So it was um yeah it was a little bit hard to get out. But then once we got into it, I knew it halfway. The guy, I think the guy who was leading, um who the guy who was with me at halfway actually ended up finishing last in the race because he just blew up so bad. But, um, yeah, I, I love how they race. They just – all of the guys – I think there's 23 of us in the race. Every guy was just going out trying to win. If you didn't win or keep up, you might as well not be in there. So they just 100% everything on the line, which um, is obviously fun to be in a race where everyone's doing that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's – what do you reckon, Moose? We'll get on to thanking some patrons. Yep, sounds good. All right, you can kick us off. All right. Um, thank you to Kieran – Shepherdson from Adelaide, South Australia. So, Kieran, good runner. PB 901 for 3K, 1515 for 5K, and 3432 for 10. I'm going to say that 5K is probably the best result there. Uh, Debut marathon this year at the Gold Coast in 317. That is certainly not the best. Um, (laughs) That's a bad day for Kieran there. But he's also done a 100K race in 13 hours and 27 minutes. Wow. I mean, Kieran got some pace on him, 
Not sure he needs to go do 100k races yet. Save that for when you're old and beat up, Kieran. I might add a bit more info there. I think Kieran was one of these runners that was quite serious as a youngster, junior, maybe like, you know, 1920, and probably ran all of those PBs, uh, all those track PBs around then. He's a little bit bit older now and obviously didn't step up to the marathon till now. So, um, yeah, I think that that explains that. Uh, I'll go next. I've got Vincent Tully. Uh, Vincent lives in the ACT. Uh, His PBs are 2024, which he set at the Tuggerong Park Run. He ran an hour 42 at the YMCA Canberra Half. Uh, Pretty sure he has a kid and is an assistant director at the Australian Department of Health. So, Thanks for your support, Vincent, and maybe I'll bump him into you at a park run sometime. And uh, Stewie, I believe you're giving a shout-out to a youngster. Yes, I've got Seb Havens. Um, So he's from Sydney. He runs for the Randwick Botany Harriers. Um, He's an under-20 athlete. He ran PBs of 9.02 for 3K, 16.08 for 5K, 10K, 34.21. And then also he was 35th in the under-20 race at National Cross. So um, any junior who's making the National cross um mm. is obviously a quality athlete so um and obviously he's got some good speed with the 9023k as well so i'm sure we're going to see big things for seb um in the, the the coming years once he um progresses from under 20s i actually did a bit of digging stewie i saw that um you ran the under 20s twice back in uh 2013 where you finished eighth uh won by matt baxter the kiwi that year jack rayner was third jack patterson second um, Luke Matthews was just behind you, and then the following year you finished 20th with uh, Jack finishing first that year, and um, Geordie Beamish was third. Nath Pierce was fifth, roaming, roaming Nath. So I actually quite like going back through the old results, seeing like, you know, under 20s that maybe weren't killing it that are doing good things now. Yeah, definitely. I think it's you go through the results, it's crazy to read some of the names of. Like, we had some guys that would absolutely dominate um, in juniors, but obviously it doesn't always correlate to seniors. And then you have some guys who are no good. I was nev- never crazy good in juniors, or there's a lot of other guys as well um, who who were scraping on the state teams or not even making state teams who have been ended up being amazing um, uh, senior athletes. So I think it shows it's kind of a personal journey for for the different different types of athletes. Some take a lot longer to develop or take a while to kind of find their feet. So I think it's, um yeah, it is cool seeing the results and kind of working out how their careers from that point um, progressed on. Yeah. Would, well would you would you say, Stewie, that you're like the um, the mirror version of Jack Davies? Where <laughs> you were actually, you actually got good and he got real slow after juniors. Well, Jack was sixth in 2013. Yeah, I don't know. I think he had, a, he had me, definitely have me covered in juniors. I don't think there was too often I beat him throughout our whole junior careers. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. He's obviously he was an amazing athlete. He still he still obviously still runs and he's gone relatively well. But he's unfortunately he's had a few injuries and stuff as well. So um, I can't wait to see him back find his find his form for the St Stephen Harriers. But um, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure it will all come together for him. Um, he'll have some better luck with injuries and um, hopefully can put on some big results. He needs a new foot, I think. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thanks. Yeah, right. thanks to those patrons, Seb, Vincent, and Kieran, and and all the other patrons that. Uh, as Brady says, helps keep the lights on here at Inside Running. A message now from our podcast partner, Lululemon. We've been talking about and wearing Lululemon's limited edition Movember product range. In today's world, we know that mental wellbeing support is needed more than ever. As part of Lululemon's ongoing commitment to elevate mental wellbeing, 
Our partnership with Movember hopes to accelerate and expand access to wellbeing tools across Australia and New Zealand, creating real lasting change within our communities. You can show your support for Movember with this limited edition Lululemon Movember product collection. Lululemon is here to support you while you support Movember in changing the face of men's health. Try it out for yourself with free shipping and free returns for all online orders. Go to lululemon.com.au. Uh, let's go to some running news. I'll, um, I'll kick it off with the NCAA cross-country champs, which was on early Sunday morning our time. Um, and I believe it's on uh, it's going to be on like Fox Sports like tomorrow, a highlights package of it. And like, this is a crazy race. It's just so deep. Everyone goes out like free beer in the first like kilometre. Um, and we always have a fair few Aussies running. So in the men's, Charlie Hicks, who runs for Stanford, he won the race uh, ahead of a couple of Northern Arizona guys. Um, NAU, uh, they won the team's event in a, um, a tiebreaker. The best Aussies, we had three in the top 20. So Kai Robinson finished 10th, Jackson Sharp was 16th, and Zach Faccioni was third. Oh, sorry, was 20th. Um, and then in the women's race, we had Caitlin Tui from NC State. She won, uh, and her team also won the team's event. Best Aussie was Amelia Mazadowney in 22nd place. So, so um, Croaks, talk us through the, the tiebreaker. So yeah. they, they do it a bit different there, don't they? Yeah, so I've heard a few different versions of how they – so sometimes they look at um, the place of the sixth runner and whichever whichever sixth runner finishes the highest, that team wins, which in that case, um, uh, NAU would have actually lost. But what they do for the NCAA tiebreaker is they look at the head-to-head. So they look at, okay, who won – so the first, say for example, NAU's first runner was second, and Stanford's first runner was third. NAU get one point there. Then they look at NAU's second runner. Did they beat Stanford, or did Stanford beat them? And that's how they basically tally it up that way. So NAU oh, won three two. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. But I would have thought they'd go to runner number seven. Just go one, go one yeah. down. Yeah, I, like I guess the there's, idea. there's multiple ways of doing it, and. Um, yeah, yeah. If they looked at the sixth runner, NAU would have uh, would have lost. Uh, I'm not sure what would happen if they looked at the seventh runner. Oh, but, I mean the sixth runner. Oh, like, sorry, sixth runner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just, yeah. Yeah. Well, but this one, they just look at the head, basically the head to head. Yeah. So Kyle Robinson was almost a favourite for the race, wasn't it? So I don't reckon he'd be too up and about with tenth. Well, I don't know. I just think it shows how good these college athletes are. That. It, it's, you know, I think that first 20 can sort of move, like maybe the top five or top couple are a pretty clear cut. But then outside of that, you know, you've got 20 guys finishing within 10 seconds of each other. Like that's how that's how deep it is. Well, there's an Olympian coming 10th really, isn't there? But and then you've got first and second who they're going to be professional runners, no doubt. You've probably got a sub 13 5K guy with that Nico Young bloke. Yeah. Um, or like at least close to anyway. Uh, so it's it's pretty good field up there. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, Moose, take us to some domestic five thousand meter state champs. Yeah, uh, we'll start with South Australia. Um, Max Stevens. He he was hanging out with us at the conference actually because he works at the Adelaide store. So he ran 14.18 to win from Adam Goddard, 14.19. 
And Jakob Cox was 14.25 for third. Then ladies, Tara Palm, friend of the show, 16.39 win over Brooke Hines and Sophie Hillpala. Um, so not quite as strong as the Victorian race, which was won by Sarah Billings. Uh, that was actually really good to watch. I watched this one out while mm. I was out at dinner, had the race going. Sarah um, was the fastest, like, in terms of her heritage, I guess. Although Melissa Duncan's run good 15s before. But um, Sarah dusted them over the, the final 200. So she ran 16.33 for the win. Um, Melissa Duncan was second, 16.34. And Rachel McGuinness, the marathoner off to Valencia, she was third and she made the – she she got the pace going through the middle stages. Yeah, I found it interesting, Moose. Like at one point there, it looked like um, Liz Duncan had opened up a decent gap. Like she sort of accelerated with maybe 300 to go. And at 200 to go, you're like, oh, she's got a decent lead. But then um, from 200 to go to sort of 80 to go, Sarah um, made up the gap and then was able to kick over the top in that last 80 metres. I think rang quite maturely, actually, because she was just – sitting back for a, a long time and not worrying about surges and that kind of stuff throughout the the race and looked quite comfortable. Yeah. Very, and, like, I thought it was well run. And the men's? The men's, yeah. Also a good race. Um, Lachlan Hurd, who had a good cross-country season, he ran 14-11-21 to beat Queenslander Liam Budin, um, 14-11-85. Dale Carroll was third in 14-12. Uh, so yeah, pretty pretty tight race in the men's as well. Um, real highlight mm. for me was seeing Run Strong Online coaching big dog Craig Appleby, who is uh, coached by Dave McNeil actually. He was third Victorian. He's an old fella, mm-hmm. almost 38, and he's been around since him. He reckons he he keeps saying that he beat Collis one year, I reckon, in the junior cross country. Or him and Collis used to go head-to-head. So that's the type of vintage we're talking about here. And he he came fourth, ran 14-12, six-second PB or four-second PB uh, at 38 years old in the 5K. And it's not like he's started late. This, this bloke's been around forever. So really happy to see him doing well. And he is such a good guy, being a long-time patron man. Yeah, I found that pretty inspiring as well, Moose. Like, you know, 38s, uh, yeah, not not young for for 5K, and especially when you've been at it for as long as he has. So it was a great result. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and, Stewie, you got some results from your home state? Yeah, so we've got the Point of, point of Pinnacle Half Marathon. Um, so it's Hobart to Mount Wellington, 1,270 metres of elevation. So anyone who's been to Mount Wellington know that knows how steep that is. That is a tough run all the way up there. Um, so in the men's race, we had James Hansen taking the win in 85-36. Um, ahead of Ben St. Lawrence, 86-15. And Nick Earl in third in 88-29. So uh, three pretty good runners there. So that obviously was a good race. Um, and in the women, Millie Clark, 1 hour 40-22. Um, Miriam Dowie, D- Dowie 1 hour 52-10 yep. um, in second. And then Ruth Wilson in third in 156-08. So, yeah, good to see Millie Clark back in some good form there as well. Yeah, it's the first time I've heard um, about Millie racing in a while. So, yeah, good to see you back. And Jimmy Hansen beating Ben over the half, that's 
I mean, a little bit of a surprise given, like, Ben loves this race. He also does a lot of, tra- like, trail running, runs a lot of mountains around where he lives, Blue Mountains area. Mm-hmm. So it's it's pretty solid from James. Um, also, then must- Benny's, Benny's also come off uh, UTA 50K, and also he raced, uh, he finished second in that half that we um, mentioned last week to Rory Hunter. So he's had a big, he's had a big month, Benny. Yeah, they, they put a bit of cash up down here, obviously. They're getting some decent athletes. Yeah, I think it's like two two to three grand. Jeez, do you go to a tempo, uphill tempo, <laughs> mate. Yeah, a little bit far. Not, not a big fan of that hill. That hill is good. <laughs> yeah, well, running, running in St Kilda is not going to help you much for yeah, uh, running up Mount Wellington. Get up there, but maybe one year. I'm going to slide in a little business question here, Stewie. Um, without going into specifics, like from your – like the – the business side of professional running, what, where's the biggest proportion of your salary come from? Is it, is it brand contract? Is it appearance fees or is it prize money? Um, I think it's, it's definitely brand contracts. So luckily for me, I've, I've been a Nike athlete for a, quite a few years. So I think most athletes generally through the brand contract where you'll make um, probably the, the larger percentage of your, your yearly income. But Obviously, for us, you've still got to yeah try and try and do well in the races for prize money, appearance fees if you're lucky enough in some of the races. So, um, yeah, kind of hopefully if you have a good season, they all um yeah slowly start to add up. Yeah, is that does that change when you're a sort of a junior coming out? Is it more? Do you reckon it would be more prize money when you when you don't have the credibility behind or the the, the runs on the board yet? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Unless you're an absolute star, it's probably hard to get a. a a brand contract straight away. I think you kind of got to prove that you you're at a good level before you you really get that kind of like brand deal or whatever. So um, that's a, obviously the hard part coming from juniors is that those first couple of years where you probably probably do battle a lot to try and um, survive in the sport. But I think at the end of the day, we we you don't pick running to if you you're in the sport trying to make massive amounts mm. of money. There's definitely <laughs> a lot, lot of other sports where you could do probably financially a lot better than running. Yeah, were you recruited heavily to college when you came out of high school? I did have quite a few offers, but for me, I pretty much, I'd been to boarding school since I was 13. Um, I'd lived away from my family for, yeah, those six years. So I didn't really want to extend that and go live overseas for, for a lot of years as well. So I think I was pretty happy to stay local and, um, yeah, stay, move down to Melbourne and start, start uni there. Fair enough. All right, training talk. Uh, so this training talk segment is brought to you by Lululemon. You can support Movember by signing up for more than a run powered by Lululemon. So this training talk is also a listener question. Uh, the listener question comes in from Felipe Barraza. How often do you plan slash prescribe an easy week to your athletes and to yourself? Um, good question. And Stewie, I might start with you because one thing, although I'm not part of MTC, I see enough on Strava that traditionally most of your weeks are the same sort of year, like Obviously, if you're if you're racing diamond leagues, you're going to have easy weeks in the lead up to races. But you know, in your base uh, phase, like you're in now, your weeks generally look the same. Do you actually have a scheduled down week once a month or whatever? Uh, probably not scheduled. I think obviously when we're racing a bit more, you have obviously the race weeks. You're you kind of feel fresher because you're not not quite as running as much, and you kind of tape and leading into the race. But um, I think for us, it's kind of the the weeks will be similar, but you'll kind of if I'll I'll be able to tell if I'm tired, if I feel like I need an easier week, and I'll kind of just pull back 
maybe the lengths of my runs or just the main thing for me is just the intensity, trying to reduce mm-hmm. reduce how hard I'm working in the workouts, how quick I'm running on my easy runs, just try and pull them back for that for those couple of days or even the week just to make sure I'm going to be able to put more weeks together rather than either get sick, break down or have something go wrong. So kind of just have that easier week, kind of reset and then try and keep keep going with um the, the future training weeks. Mm. Like I really like this question, Moose, because you know, obviously, if you're training for a marathon and you've got a 12-week block and you're doing big mileage, like you've done with Toby, like you do have designated down weeks. But I often see a lot of five and 10k runners um, don't sort of prescribe that once once a month easy week. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, th- I think it it depends on how resilient the athlete is. Some some people can train and never get injured and never get burned and um they they maybe they still should take a down week but in those cases maybe i'll have someone run three to four weeks of of blocks of good training and then they have a down week maybe it's like 80 percent of volume of the um of their normal weeks but then you get the athletes that are continually hurt or they get tired quickly they may be more prone to sickness and 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 I, some, like I've even gone back to, to sort of do on and off weeks, so one week up, one week down type setups where, um, yeah, they really don't don't get stressed one week, like two weeks in a row. Uh, it just helps them build consistency that way rather than sort of fall into holes. Um, but the majority of athletes that I've got are two to three weeks up, one down. Yeah, like I'm, I, I don't necessarily schedule – down weeks with a lot of my athletes unless they're training for a marathon because I'm a bit like Stewie where I would prefer to see them train within themselves during the week which means they probably don't need the recovery week quite as much as somebody that's absolutely nailing themselves in the sessions two or three times a week Um, so my recovery weeks would come more like if they're I try and find a race for them to do or you know at least a hard park run once a month so obviously the week of the hard park run would be a recovery week before that actual effort. And then they generally have a few lighter days and lighter sessions off the back of that hard effort. So that's how I sort of schedule my easier weeks with most of my athletes. Yeah. Well, while we're talking training, Stewie, I had a question come in from a listener for you specifically. Like what's the session that you struggle with the most out of a – out of a training block um for me probably the ones i find the hardest is um the kind of the the reps where you you have float recoveries so i feel like i'm obviously i'm pretty relatively good at buffering um kind of the anaerobic the lactic stuff so i feel like i can have a have a quick break and be ready to go if we're doing eight by k off a minute rest i feel by the minute rest i'm 100 pretty much well not 100 but relatively fully covered or recovered so I find them a lot easier than the when we're doing six by or eight by a K with the the minute float in between where you probably can't quite as recover as quickly. They're probably the, the stuff I do find the hardest. And I think other than that, probably hill reps I find hard. I think I, I do get a lot out of doing hill reps, especially when we're over in Europe, we'll do them quite often as well. So I get a lot out of them. But, yeah, I definitely find them, um, yeah, pretty challenging. What's, what's generally the length of the hill reps that you do when you're just doing pure hill reps and you're not doing like a hilly um, hilly tempo? Yeah, so we might do, I think in London we have a spot um, in Richmond Park where we'll do six by 1K hills um, where the, 
the start of the hill, probably the first 200 is pretty steep. You feel like you're climbing and then it's just gradual over the eight, the remaining 800. But I think that you obviously your lactic gets up that first 200 and then you're kind of trying to hold it together over that, that last 800 meters. So I find that that type of training hard, but I think that's, it is that training where you do get a lot out of it. If you can um, kind of do it effective and in a smart way. <laughs> I think everyone would find that hard. Six by a K uphill, fucking hell. Six by a K is pretty hard, let alone putting it up a hill. That's so, rough. So what sort of effort are you running those at? Because obviously if you're doing um, K reps up a hill, like your recoveries are going to be pretty generous because you've got to obviously get all the way back down. So are you running them at, what, 10K effort? You know, like how hard are you pushing up the hill? Yeah, so probably maybe for 85, 80 to 85% of race pace effort so um a little bit harder than threshold but you're, you're not absolutely burying yourself because i think doing six reps is too hard if you're if you're burying a rep you're not going to recover even if you jog down in four and a half minutes five minutes even to mm. get to the bottom you're still going to not be recovered by the time you're trying to start a rep so it's finding that that medium where you, you're working hard but you're also recovered enough that you can kind of hit six pretty good reps and then also feeling like you're recovering enough to be able to back up and train train well the following day, whether you have a run or a long run or where it fits in the schedule. Mm. I always love hearing uh, Stewie speak about his training and, like, how not burying himself. It's, like, it's a good reminder, like, for all the athletes out there and maybe when I get back training I'll uh, remind myself that maybe I just need to dial back the intensity on this session if I'm tired. So. Very uh, – you still got no Strava, no GPS, mate? <laughs> Nah, so I'm just a stopwatch guy. So yeah, no Strava. Um, I, I'm obviously not the biggest fan of Strava. I don't have the GPS watch anyway, so I couldn't couldn't use Strava. Even if I wanted to, I'd have to manually upload all my runs, which would take a bit too much time. But yeah, I'm just a stopwatch guy. I love the fact of running, just going out on feel. Um, and I think for me, it's a it's a pretty simple sport. I think we look at like a, what what a lot of the African guys do. They keep it nice and simple, so um, it works well for them. And I kind of find that works for me and just. It's easier to, to pull back training if you need to because you're not worried about hitting a certain amount of Ks or running at a certain pace. Um, and then obviously, yeah, you get pretty good at judging what, what you need to do across the season. So I feel like I've, uh, I can kind of, yeah, by feel, know, know what I need to do and get a relative judgment of how I'm going off that as well. So you're in the group on a Sunday. Everyone else's watch is beeping. They're just focusing on their heart rate or their pace or whatever. Does it piss you off a little bit? Do you give them... Give them a bit of like banter about that. Nah, they wouldn't be in the group if that was happening. Nah, really, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't really. Yeah, I don't really mind. I think a lot of guys love that stuff. Um, yeah, I'm I'm obviously not big on it, but if if it works for them, it works for them. So I'm happy for them to do it. What you, about during the thresholds around Albert Park? Like you know, because all those guys I know have like um, the GPS. Like, are you getting any feedback on the pace that you're running at? uh yeah some of the other boys are wearing them obviously you'll know generally the the pace we are going but um yeah i kind of just purely like it because i can kind of just individualize my own training if i feel like i need to go a little bit harder on something maybe i can push that boundary but if i need to hold back like the majority of training and just try and keep in that nice 80 to 90 percent window um Mm -hmm. i can just do that and not whether it's slower than i normally run or faster um, I don't think I get too carried away because I don't really have a have a set pace where I'm trying to hit every time. And it's kind of just nice training on feel um, and not worrying too much about what the data's saying. Yeah. Hey, um, Moose, you know, I reckon this is – if we were to interview Sean Crichton like 30 years ago 
And like he's talking about his training group where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to let those guys go in training. It, it sounds very similar, I reckon. Yeah, there is a bit of that, except Sean. Sean had the, the like the retired runner. He bit, he's a bit more likely to give someone a bit of a spray or a bit of a clip. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. So, Stu but, will get, might get that in 10 years or so. But, it, but it's that same mentality that, you know what, well, I'm going to listen to my body, I'm going to train within myself. I know that the training's not important, it's what I do on race day. Um, yeah. yeah so Common themes for sure, yeah. It definitely seems to be the forgotten art at the moment. Yeah. So anyway, thanks to Lululemon for this week's uh, Training Talk partner. Sign up for more than a run via www.lululemon.com.au. All right, Moose on the Loose. We got a few uh, few messages from the one that you um, mentioned last week. What was that? What was last week? Uh, uh, podcast hosts that, I don't know, talk about themselves all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I heard it again on another one, like – it was like a crime one where the like the detect retired detective and he interviews other like retired detectives but he just takes over and just talks about himself and all his own stories and it's it's hard to listen to anyway um, well this isn't really like a, a rant or anything this is just like coming into this week is it's the worst it's the worst week of the year for me uh as a small business owner because it's black saturday Cyber Monday, like all these Thanksgiving themed sales that the like the Australian market's taken on, um, and like it, it, like I don't know the exact foundations of it, um, like where it kind of started. I remember it was Thanksgiving. I saw it in the states when I was there one year, but it is it's sort of big over here now. And um, just thought I would explain like some of the difficulties as a small business owner during this time um, because there are some and it's not often like talked about that most of the black black friday sales where they put big discounts on their websites um, they're achievable for these big companies because the margins that they can achieve through massive buying power because they're this big corporation make these sales actually um sustainable for them like they don't just lose money like we would as a small business if we had the capability or if we decided to to put these discounts on our on our business um so there's like we often get sort of pressured to 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 discount um product in store and we often get asked like when are your sales coming up all this kind of stuff but as a small business we just cannot compete with them um, and there's just a few reasons why, like the the staff that we pay in our store, like um, we treat them well, like I, I hope we do anyway. They're all local staff, like we're, we're sort of giving jobs to local people. We're paying rent on a, a building which um, is owned by a local kind of landlord who owns a business up the road. Uh, we... <laughs> We sponsor the local athletics club. We sponsor the little athletics club. Um, we donate a dollar of every sale to a local charitable organisation. Um, we provide run clubs. And we provide a place where people can come in and get service. And so this is what these are the reasons why a small business who offer those things can't put discounts and can't just cut the guts out of every product they have. Because if we did all these things and we discounted, 
then the lights go off in a, in a week, maybe two weeks. We just can't pay bills that way. Uh, so, like, I've got no issue with people buying discounted shoes. That that's like totally fine, and that's like that's that's absolutely okay. It's just as a service-based business, like we are, and we're focused on sort of small community-minded, um, I guess, goals for our business. We can't also offer huge discounts, and so that's the reason why. Um, so I just thought it would be it sort of kind of get on on the offense because we've been getting asked like day in day out and we've also start, started to cop some criticism that our prices being recommended retail price which is the price that other places have these products for 50 weeks of the year it's the same price as what we charge we just can't discount through these periods um, because we just can't afford to so anyway that's my little rant uh, it's not a rant it's just an explanation um and hopefully people understand the difference between like a small service-based business and a massive corporation selling their products like direct to the customers without any local engagement whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Um, all right, before we wrap up, I reckon we've got a few more quick fire questions for Stewie while we've got him. Yep. Um, Stewie, we haven't really spoken about what your plans are for the next few months. So first question Will we see you running Zatapec? Unfortunately, not Zatapec. Um, I'm kind of put, putting away the 10K track for for hopefully a couple more years, and then I might try try and get back and do a few more. I think for me, I'm just kind of world champs next year. I want to try and focus on the 1500 and maybe even the 5K as well. So, um, yeah, not not really too focused on the 10K, at least for the for the hopefully the next season or two. All right, move on to World Cross. Will you target an individual? spot there or a spot in the relay or both yeah so obviously for us having a home world cross is massive i think it's going to be an amazing event um and yeah some we're definitely gearing up towards so um i would love to be if, if i got to choose i'd love to be in the relay team um i think it'd be cool being in a mixed four by 2k relay um but obviously i'll have to run well at the trial and make sure i um yeah organize my my, my spot that way so with the trial are they having a separate um, like, are they having a 10K race plus a 2K race? I think they are. I actually haven't really looked into it too too much. Obviously, it's still, still a while away, just focusing on training. But I think they, they will have both trials um, and kind of, yeah, use that as a guide to how they're going to um, kind of, yeah, select select the team for, for what's going to be an amazing event to have in Australia, the World Cross Country. And so you would just run the 2K at the trial, not the 10K? I think so. I think on the race day, I think it's it's too hard to do both. Yeah, um, yeah. And obviously, you wouldn't want to take a spot in two events if it, if it was possible, um, if you're going to be banged up and tired from running all right, out race right before it or even post from a, another athlete who's going to be in good shape for when, when Bathurst does roll around. Yeah. All right, Stewie. So, talking cross-country, can you name 12 athletes, six men, six women who will be on that team? <laughs> Oh, it's a hard one. I think, yeah, I don't know. I feel like cross country is so different. I feel like a lot of guys are really good at cross country who probably aren't as good on the track or vice versa. A lot of guys are good on the track and some cross country courses are a lot different. But um, yeah, I think in the men's, there's probably 10 or 12 guys fighting for those six spots. So I, um, I just want six. I just want six, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, so I'll say my training partner. So I think Brett will be on the team. Um, Jack. Uh, I reckon Matty Ramsden. Um, who else do we have? 
I reckon Andy Buchanan's a good chance. Obviously, great over the cross country. Um, Pat Tiernan, obviously amazing cross country runner, so I assume he'll be in the six for the men's team. Um, and maybe Sam McIntyre as well. So he's he's training well at the moment. So um, I'm I'm assuming he's going to be riding the mix for the for the men's team. For the women's, I'm not quite as sure who's going to be running or who's skipping it or whatever. So um, I probably probably won't won't give a six for that just purely because I don't really know who's going to going to vie for spots on that team. Smart, safe, media trained well, Stewie. Mm. <laughs> it's going to be interesting though, Moose, when you think about like the potential of our men's team, um, because like Morgan McDonald's in there as well. Like, well, he won NCAA cross, so he's Ollie in, you know, in there. Yeah, wonder if Ollie though would target just that two k. How good would that be? So you've got uh, like assuming that these people are going to try out for the uh, relay, but you got Stewie. Ollie, Jess Hull, and Lyndon Hall in a 4x2K. Yeah, that's solid. That is real solid. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, um, we've got to get there. Boots, we've got to get to Bathurst. Yeah, yeah. Book that accommodation for there sure. There is talk. There is talk. We're going to be trying to do some stuff up there. Um, next question. Uh, Moose, you wrote this one down. Next breakout star of MTC. Who do you like the look of? It's coming through. Um, I think a, a lot of the young guys this year, obviously they found it tough prob- probably just their first European season. But I think uh, Jude Thomas and Cal Davies really, really showed showed what they're made of. Um, that obviously domestically they ran well. And then their first season overseas, I think for their first trip was, um, yeah, to their credit, pretty, pretty good. And they held it together pretty well. So I think they're two guys that are going to keep improving not only this season, but the seasons to come. So, so Callum Davies is in MTC? So he is, yeah. So um, yeah, he's a he's a good young kid. Um, obviously a, a quality athlete as well. So um, yeah, I'm sure he's gonna have some big things not only this season but the seasons following as well. Because <laughs> we had Shanae on a couple of weeks ago, and we're like, oh, because um, we mentioned Callum won a race in Queensland, and we're like, uh, he's he MTC Sinead? and she's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that is poor by Sinead. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I definitely, I'll, I'll be letting her know about that. He's definitely hey. in the Melbourne Track Club, so yeah, good young guy. So um, yeah, Sinead needs to sort that out. <laughs> um, just a couple other random questions, uh, Stewie. How's uh, how's uni going? Where are you up to with that? So I'm going well. Uh, purely, I've got two more. So um, yeah, starting to be a secondary school um, PE, health, and English teacher. So I've got two more subjects, and I'm a qualified teacher. So. I just need to find both the subjects have, I think one has a five-week placement and one has a six-week placement. So um, obviously I deferred Olympic year and then this year I had a pretty long season. So I didn't really, I would have had to come back straight away, had five days off and then spent six weeks at a school. So I kind of, yeah, after the season I'd had um, and how how hard I'd had to work to, to get back to near my, some, yeah, some relatively good form, I kind of, yeah, felt like I needed more of a break. So hopefully I'll be able to tick off those two placements at some point next year maybe one early next year in the first semester of school and then yeah f- finish my teaching and then obviously one day have to get a real man's job and um yeah when running's done start start teaching at a school how many placements have you done so far and do you do you enjoy them yeah so i've done i think i've done three or four uh i do enjoy them but it, it's a different grind getting up so i was having to get up because i'd have to drive 45 minutes to school as well so i'd get up at training at six every morning and then wouldn't get home and train at 5 30 so it's definitely a tough grind and it definitely shows guys that work full time what they're able to achieve with their training is um yeah pretty admirable and pretty pretty amazing to see because I was doing it for four weeks and by the fourth week I was pretty tired. 
There you go, Moose. See how hard it is being a teacher? Mate, I was about to say, and you're only a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't do anything through the day. It's like, gee. Anyway, um, Melbourne Cup Carnival. Geez, you were on socials a lot. You're a pin-up now. You do some modelling. Uh, no, I wouldn't say modelling. Um, unfortunately, I'm not quite good enough good enough looking for that. But, um, yeah, I was – it was the opportunity came up to be involved with the um yeah obviously the the Caulfield races um and the Melbourne Racing Club, and obviously um I we train on Caulfield it's where we do a lot of thresholds throughout the year um and I I like I like all sports um horse racing I like watching as well so um yeah to to get to go and be involved in an event like that um was yeah pretty pretty cool to be involved um and also a good way to kind of finish the season as well and do all the social things you don't get to do um especially in the European season you're pretty much locked in focus so. You're not often doing too many fun things, so to get to a couple of the race days was um yeah yeah pretty nice. How does that come about, Stewie? Like who who contacts who to for you to become an ambassador there? Um, so I think they just reach out and they just say yeah we'll see if you're interested. They might must see some that maybe I don't even see myself that they think maybe I could be alright doing it. Um, I'm not from a big horse racing background or anything either, so I wasn't sure. But yeah, once they made the offer and kind of was like oh would. You, would you like to be involved? It was pretty easy for me, especially I, I live close to Caulfield as well. So um, to get, get involved in such a big Melbourne event like that was, um yeah, yeah pretty easy choice and um, cool to be involved in. And like the golden ticket, you're able to go into any marquee there you want? Yeah, it was nice. It was made for a big day though because uh, like I'd get up and have training in the morning and then I'd be quickly rushed to try and get to get to the track by 12. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, you're in any marquee, um, unlimited food and drink, which – um, when you have it for six or seven hours, it kind of, yeah, pre- feeling pretty rough by the end of the day. But, um, yeah, as I said, it was, um, yeah, awesome couple of days. Well, that's about it for me. Um, Moose, you got any more questions for Stewie? Uh, just the real nerdy one. Yeah. So um, Gus actually lives around the corner from our store, Stewie. He's up in the, um, the real plush Newtown area, Geelong West. And he dropped off a pair of your spikes. I think they were from World Champs. You put a signature on them. Very, very generous of both of you. Uh, we're finding the right spot for them, the right cabinet. But I noticed the pins you've got in the, in the shoe, they vary between like needles and pin spikes and different um, lengths. Is that on purpose? Do you always do these sort of different combinations? No, nah, so actually, so they're the, the spikes actually won the final um, in Eugene when I was ninth. So um, I think they, I'd worn for the semi as well. So I think they've been pretty much banged up through those two races but um i put i generally prefer putting in the christmas tree spikes i don't really like the normal ones so if i have enough christmas trees i'll chuck full christmas trees in but i think yeah at championships it gets a little bit a little bit harder when you're going through rounds you kind of will lose a few like what so occasionally they fall out or they occasionally a few get pretty banged up so you kind of just swapping and yeah swapping in and out with what spikes go in but um yeah i'm not i'm actually not sure what i had in those ones that i i sent your way but um yeah i'm sure generally there there is a mix between both depending on what i have available yeah okay that's good because we're all just you had the whole everyone in this all the staff are going and changing all their spikes out to be like yours because there must be there's some secret in it and um moose didn't you rip the um didn't you rip the size the sizing out of it as well what? Oh, yeah, I couldn't find the Yeah, because you were trying to find the size. Yeah, that's right. I couldn't find the size. You ripped the tag off, right? Yeah, so I actually always rip the tag off just because in spikes I don't wear socks. So when I get them, I kind of just take that little side thing out just because, like, uh, I just really don't want it rubbing against my foot. So I'll kind of remove it 
first thing I do when I get the spike. So um, they were actually size 11s, but obviously didn't have the tag because I'd, I'd taken them out pre-race. Size 11, good. This is good stuff. This is good content. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that I think that's it for me, Moose. I don't have anything else um, to cover. I think the agenda's done. What uh, What do you got coming up, Moose, this week? Uh, oh, just a tough week in retail, mate, this week. So I'll slave away. I'll be in there um, just trying to win some hearts of the local community. Mm. And you, Stewie, anything exciting happening this week? Just trying to put together another good week of training, obviously, um, travelling to Japan and whatever, kind of, yeah, it's nice to be home and just having a, a normal Melbourne week. So I'll just try and, yes, get through a good week of training and try and move on to the, the following week as well. And um, Christmas, you're heading home and are you going to be doing the um, the Christmas carnivals again? So, yeah, I'll head home for just under a week leading into Christmas, um, which will be great. I'll get to see, obviously, all my mates I grew up with on King Island, um, hopefully play some golf down there, which is always fun. Um, and then, yeah. I'll definitely be doing the Christmas carnivals again. Um, as I said, as I always say, I think they're the funnest races we get to do all year. The atmosphere is amazing. Mm. Tasmanians love Tasmanian guys running as well. So it's an awesome atmosphere being a local athlete. Um, so yeah, hopefully I can kickstart kick start my season there and it'll hold me in good stead leading up, especially with World Cross not too far away following the carnivals. Have you ever been down there, Moose, for the, any of the Christmas carnivals? Nah, nah, not to Tassie. They are, uh, they are. Cool. I went down in like 2005, 2006, did um, Latrobe and Burnie. And like it is a really cool atmosphere because they have the um, the bike races going as well. It's uh, mm. yeah, great atmosphere. Yeah, cool. Um, all right. Well, thanks, Stewie, so much. Um, like, yeah, we appreciate you coming on. You're such a great ambassador for the sport uh, and very generous with your time. So um, all the best for the next few months. And um yeah, hopefully we can get you on like maybe after the domestic season before you head overseas just for a bit of an update. Sounds good. Appreciate it, boys. Thanks a lot for having me on. It's been fun. Thanks, Thanks mate. Thank you. I'll chat to you uh, next week, Moose. See you, mate. See ya. Lululemon supports you while you support Movember. Discover their Movember collection at lululemon.com.au. Doesn't matter if it don't come back. Under-